We're talking about it. I mean, it's right here. And right now we're talking about offerings, giving to God. What in the world does that mean? Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. Today we're going to be studying this and looking at it. Deuteronomy chapter 26, as we go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I want to tell you that uh, if ever you have questions about giving, well, this would be a good day to study and be with us. All right. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey. I'm talking about the strange practice of levirate marriage from Deuteronomy 25. Ryan? Well, in the New Testament, some Sadducees challenged Jesus on the doctrine of resurrection using a passage that we read today, Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 to 10. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Very good. Look forward to both of those reports coming up in about 15 minutes. Janice is coming up in about 16 minutes. Janice? Today, don't give to get. All right, there you go. That's it. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. Let's look at the Deuteronomy chapter 26. Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 11. And it shall be, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall go to one who is priest in those days, and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, My father was a Syrian about to perish, and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number. And there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you and your house, you and the Levite, and the stranger who is among you. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 11. Deuteronomy chapters 24 to 27, very interesting. Again, Moses is still writing this after Israel's gone through the wilderness and everything's happened and uh, he's getting ready to introduce them to the idea of the promised land, which they rejected at first. But uh, it gets very interesting today. We're going to focus on this is very, very interesting. Chapter 26. Now, as we take a look at that, we need to remember 
not to give offerings to make ourselves feel better or to absolve our guilt. Only an understanding of God's great mercy and forgiveness can take our guilty feelings away. He is powerful enough to forgive us. We cannot earn forgiveness. We can't pay for it. We can't buy it. But we can receive it from God, the maker of heaven and earth. Giving, giving offerings aren't important for guilt or for profit. We don't do that. They are for worshiping and honoring God with our monetary and worldly strength. It is a way to praise God and to keep our focus and our intentions in the right place. We see in our reading today that in the offerings of the first fruits, God has the giver recite what they had come or where they had come from and where God had brought them to. God has saved our souls from the ravages of hell and we have been reborn as children of God. On the day of our repentance, God began building us. Where have you come from, he says, and where has God brought you? Isn't that interesting? This is important. So I want you to take your Bible guides and turn to today's page as we focus on this, because as we look at it, it becomes very interesting. Now, uh, as we do so, uh, if you don't have the Bible guide, let me tell you, you can get a hold of yours by writing to us or calling us or going to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on it, uh, and it takes you to a page. And when you get there, uh, thank you for your gift. And when you get there, uh, it takes you to another page where you can download it just as we printed it. But we will be happy to share that with you. The Bible guide takes you through this book. And this book is the most important book you will ever read. When I get to heaven, I'm going to say, Lord, I read your Bible. I don't know how many times, but I read it through over and over and over again. And I tried to understand all of it, but I didn't get most of it. So help me to understand it. So, Father, we pray today as we read in your word, help me to understand it and help me to get it. We're going to continue taking our life in this direction so that we can learn more about you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And we said together, amen. Now, with that in mind, we come to the first verse of chapter 26, which says this. And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. Did you get that? You shall bring from the land that the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide or live. And you shall go to the one who is the priest in those days. And to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord your God has swore to our fathers to give us. Isn't that amazing? The offering was brought to the priest as an acknowledgement of God's goodness. The offering was brought to the priest as an acknowledgement of God's goodness. We should give where the name of God and his word abide and is taught. 
That's where we should get. Because that proves, you want to know how you prove God? You look at the 66 books with the 40 authors, the power of the Holy Spirit, and wherever that is. A lot of people say, well, he doesn't preach this way. We're not talking about style. We're talking about, is the Holy Spirit there? Is the Word of God taught there? That's what we're talking about. So that's where you give. I, I really believe that's important for us to understand because so much of our giving has deviated into the wrong direction, beloved. We can't do that. Well, then it says in verse 4, Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, my father was a Syrian about to perish, and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there. Few in number, but there he became a nation, great and mighty and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. And then we cried out to the Lord God our fathers of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and looked down on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm with great terror and with sighs and wonders. Deuteronomy 26, 4 to 8. God delivers everyone and delivered everyone who gave their lives to him. Everyone. We give our lives to God because he has saved us and delivered us with his mighty hand. Did you get that? We give our lives to God because he saves us from the ravages of hell. That's what's in it for us. That's what's in it. That's what we, we give our lives because we need rescue. Beloved, that's why we give and that's why we do the things we do. It's not motivated by, you know, we can get this in the store or that. It's not motivated by that. It's motivated because we love Jesus Christ. That's very interesting. Let's go back to the last part of this scripture because it gets really, really good. It says, he has brought us to his place. He has brought us to his place and has given us this land. A land that is flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God, and you shall worship before the Lord your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you and your house, you and the Levites and the stranger who is living among you. <laughs> this is amazing. You see, God is the first priority in our life. God is the first priority in our life. Christians reflect the Lord in their giving. Beloved, the reason that we give is not because we're going to get something. It's because we already have gotten something. God has given us freely his life on the cross and he rose again. And he's given us, he said, come, come and be, be my child. Be my child and I will help you. I've given my life to Jesus Christ over 40 years ago. It's been the best thing I ever did. Absolutely amazing. Give your life to Jesus today. Come to him. 
it is the best thing ever because he gives you the freedom from the damages and ravages of hell. Okay, so today my report is about Matthew chapter 22, which records how some Sadducees challenged Jesus regarding the biblical doctrine of resurrection. And to do it, they used Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 through 10, which is a part of our sign reading today. But Jesus refuted them by pointing them to another passage in the law of Moses. Check it out. At the turn of history, when Jesus Christ walked this earth, there were four different Jewish factions. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Zealots. Of these, the Pharisees and Sadducees were the ones who regularly opposed the teachings of Jesus. As a matter of fact, just after the Lord cleansed the temple for a second time, the Sadducees challenged him on the biblical doctrine of resurrection. Unlike the Pharisees, who believed in the authority of the whole Tanakh, the Sadducees only accepted the first five books of Moses as scripture. And since there were no apparent examples of life after death in the Pentateuch, they rejected the idea of bodily resurrection. This is why they decided to publicly challenge Jesus to a theological debate on this issue. And they begin by pointing to Moses' command in Deuteronomy 25.5 regarding leveret marriage which says that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. The Sadducees then proceed to tell Jesus about seven brothers. The first died after he had married, they explained, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, even to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of these seven will she be? For they all had her. To be sure, the Sadducees had concocted this story only as a means to mock the idea of life after the grave. But Jesus wasn't the least bit befuddled. You are mistaken, he said, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. The Lord here, in the same breath, was correcting not just one, but two of their errors. First, regarding the resurrection of the dead but second regarding the existence of angels. According to Acts 23.8, Sadducees did not believe in angels or spirits, and so by comparing the resurrection bodies of humans with angels, Jesus was effectively plucking two weeds with one pole. But then he returns to the main concern of the debate. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, he continues, Have you not read what was spoken to you by God through Moses, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. As Jesus full well knew, the Sadducees would not accept his words or any words outside of the five books of Moses as authoritative, which is precisely why he ends off by quoting Exodus 3.6, which indisputably confirms that there is indeed a resurrection for God's own. 
And if there was any question of whom the victor of this debate was, the reaction of the people says it all. The Sadducees were silenced and the crowd was astonished. Now, I know that there's a lot of great Bible commentaries out there, but the truth is nothing can compare with the commentary that our Lord Jesus Christ gives. As a matter of fact, when any of the Holy Spirit-inspired authors of the Bible interpret other biblical passages, we need to accept those interpretations as fact. You know, one of the very first rules of Bible study is interpreting Scripture with Scripture. Yes, like I said, there are good Bible commentaries available, but none of them are totally without error, even the one you're watching right now. Only Scripture can hold to that perfect standard. It's very important to keep that in mind. It's what we say all the time is, is that we're a program about going through the Bible. We don't always get it right, but mm -hmm. we're working very hard mm -hmm. to try to reveal it. And the, the truth is that the Holy Spirit will correct us where we're wrong and help us. So that becomes very important. Mm -hmm. That's really good, Ryan. Thank you so much. Okay, Corey, you're up. All right. Well, I wanted to take a few minutes and talk about this Levite marriage that we read about in Deuteronomy chapter 25 from verses 5 to verse 10. And Ryan mentioned it because the Sadducees used this later on in the New Testament to challenge Jesus on the resurrection because they thought that this model didn't make sense in light of there being resurrection. And you saw through Ryan's segment that Jesus was able to handle that in the way that he always did. But I want to focus on this, this, um, this practice of Leverite marriage, because we see that it's a practice that really only makes sense within the context of an ancient patriarchal society. Uh, and what I mean by that is basically the idea is that a dead, uh, a brother, if his brother died, would take his brother's widow as his own wife so that she could have a child. Now, this is only if, only in the circumstance that 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 the that there is no child from the dead brother and the wife. So if, if, if he dies, if the husband dies and the wife is childless, the brother-in-law will take on that woman as a, a wife. It could even be a secondary wife uh, in that case. And the idea is to have a child with her that will bear the dead brother's name so that that child will inherit their dead father's, legal father's, inheritance. Now, this was a big deal in Israel specifically, confined to this situation because the land of Israel was a part of the Abrahamic covenant with God and the land was passed on through inheritance. So inheritance was a big deal in this society. Uh, and uh, so I imagine that this law stopped a lot of suspicious deaths, right? Because if you, if you played your cards right and the right brother died and this law wasn't in place, you're like, okay, well now I get his inheritance because I, I, I'm a brother, so I would get his inheritance. But this stops that. If your brother dies and he's married, you're not gonna get his inheritance, so tough luck. Uh, it also, I would imagine, would stop that hatred uh, for one's brother in that way. It would stop greed in that way, but it does something else. It doesn't just protect the land of Israel from weird inheritance things and uh, jealousy and greed, it also protects the woman herself. It protects the widow. Because in an ancient patriarchal societal model, women were one of the at-risk elements there. Because if her husband died and she didn't have a child, 
she was at the mercy of the patriarch of that family, the eldest male member of that family. If it was a good patriarch, it wouldn't be a problem. She'd be taken care of. He would recognize his societal obligation and his obligation to God to take care of her, and he would. But what happens if she didn't have a good patriarch? We see examples of this in scripture. For example, Judah and Tamar, he was a bad patriarch. He turned it around, right? That was the whole point of that story being in Genesis. But he was not a good patriarch. Well, you could think, well, then the widow could just go back to her father's family. Maybe assuming that her father is a good patriarch or that her father is still alive and assuming that she had a brother if her father dies. Do you see? If not, she's very vulnerable because there, if she's not already independently wealthy, aside from her husband, if she didn't have a big dowry, she doesn't have a lot to work with in that society to sustain herself. And she probably will end up having to depend on the charity of others things like gleaning or even prostitution. So a very bad situation for the widow if this practice isn't in place. Now, something that I want to mention here too is that this practice was likely voluntary or at the woman's discretion, specifically the woman's discretion. And why I say this is because we do have a fleshed out example of it in the ancient book of Ruth. Ruth was doing well. She was gleaning. She was helping Naomi. And it is her who proposes to Boaz that he take her on in Leverite marriage. And we see also in this rule here in Deuteronomy 25, notice who it is who holds the men accountable for not taking care of the widow. It's the widow herself. She herself goes to the elders of the city and complains, and they are obligated to help her deal with this situation and bring perpetual shame onto the patriarchal family that has abandoned her in this case. So just a few notes on Leverite marriage from Deuteronomy 25. They're obligated to help her. Yes. And that's that's really important too, because this is a, a radical shift in the way thinking was in those days. Yes. Major ter- turnaround and shift. So a lot of people write it off, but don't write it off. Because God is speaking. Yeah. Very good, Corey. That's great mm-hmm. information. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I'd like you yeah. to just keep on going. But I was really enjoying that. I, I, I got really absorbed. I don't know about you, but I was really fascinated by all of that. And it really does help us. Um, both of your, your um, segments really add a depth and a dimension mm-hmm. that we really, really appreciate because it, it helps us to see things much clearer mm-hmm. so that we can understand and not be, sometimes we can come to it and be very judgmental yes. or, or think that God is very judgmental mm-hmm. or that the Bible is just this old book, but it's not. It is so relevant and so key for us today. There's so many lessons that we can learn from that just as a fellowship of believers on this side of the cross. Yeah, I think right? so too. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Like yes. you could really take that and, but now I've got to focus on mine. <laughs> Don't give to get. <laughs> now I need to bring my brain back to what I was thinking of for this reading in Deuteronomy chapter 26, because it's on offerings of first fruits and tithes. And, and I have a, a line here because my title is Don't Give to Get. And I put the title of this segment pretty much sums up all I want to say. Don't give to get. We don't give to God so that we can get back. And, you know, I have heard teaching, uh, unfortunately, that uh, you just you just give and because God's going to bless you when you give. That principle is true. Absolutely. But it comes from a wrong place. And it's very easy when you have grown up in the Western culture to see success 
um, or to make yourself feel good by the things that you have, the amount of money that you have, the, 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 the things that you can own, that becomes your purpose, that becomes your drive. And the truth is, when we realize who God is and what he has done for us, he gave his life on the cross to pay the penalty of sin that we deserve. He took it upon himself. And so the very first thing that we can do is to give ourselves to God. He gave his life for us. Therefore, I want to give in thanks to him my life in return to follow him. Because to understand the love of God so deep and so merciful and so gracious to give his life somebody like me. I want that in my life. I need that in my life. I need to learn from him. And the only way that I can truly do that is to give myself to him and say, God, forgive me. I see what you've done. You gave your life for me. You paid the cost of my sin. You suffered, you bled, and you died on the cross for me. But three days later, you came back from life in the flesh. And because of that power, I too, when I pass from this life, I have everlasting life. My spirit lives on forever with you. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. So everything that I have now, as I follow Christ, with my life, everything that I have, everything that I, that I, that I get, when I have my job, I'm so thankful. When I get my paycheck, when I get things, I can give back because I love God. All those things belong to Him. They belong to Him so that I can gladly give them because you just can't outgive God, can we? We can't outgive God. So we give because we love. We want other people to love God and to know God. So that's why we give into the kingdom of God, so that we can get the gospel message out there. I do want to thank you all for participating in the giving and helping us to stay alive. Uh, we, we praise God for that and uh, it's just wonderful. And I want to pray for you because it's important that we understand the time in which we live. It's the end times. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name for all of the people overseas, all of the people here, all of the people in the sound of my voice, that you would help them and touch them today. 